What's going on? Everybody. You've got the cardboard coach here with your boy, Coach Co. And team, today we've got a very special guest on the podcast here today. We've got Grayson from Cherry Collectibles. How are you doing today? I'm really good, Coach. Yeah, really good. I'm excited to have you. Cherry Collectibles is a staple in uh, you know the sports card hobby, it's specifically just doing God's work down there in Australia. And uh, I mean, someone's got to be the intermediary there. And I want to talk a little bit about that. I want my audience to get to know you. I want to get to know you. I'm excited for this because unlike a lot of other people that I speak to on my podcast, I mean, we're on completely different time zones. You get information at different times than I do. We don't cross paths all like all the time at the same shows, you know, like we're not going to accidentally run into each other. And so I think this will be a pretty cool conversation. And uh, hopefully for my North American audience, shed a little bit of light on just how big collectibles are in Australia, but also globally, because you recently went to a, a show that we're going to be talking about that was the first of its kind in Asia. So let's strip some of this down. Let's talk a little bit about Cherry Collectibles. How did it start? What gave you the idea for Cherry Collectibles? And we'll kind of go from there, I guess. Yeah, sure. Um, well, it's, uh, I mean, I, I think it got probably started when I was a kid, the, the yeah. seed of it. Yeah. Um, I don't remember. I've got, a, I'll preface this whole interview by saying I've got a really bad memory. Um, That's okay. And so, uh, the, the the facts and information I'm about to give you, if I was to leave a courtroom, um, there would be like a Wikipedia article about like, no, nah, things happened in this order. Like it's just not. <laughs> um, but I, I, I definitely remember collecting um, stickers of WWE uh, or WWF at the time. Um, and, uh, they came in gum. I collected that. And I collected Fleer Ultra X-Men. Uh, I collected uh, Upper Deck Special Edition Basketball. What, what, and, year is it, what year is this approximately? Yeah, it's like 19, I think 1993, 94. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, around then. And I can't remember exactly which one came first, but um, I I just, I, I liked it. I probably liked it more than the other kids. Like I just, it, it just, uh, it, I remember I had a, I set up a stall at the, at the high school that I was at uh, to sell cards. And um, I got a job, like a shitty job. Uh, like I'm sure that the boss of the card shop, cause it was only one card shop in Tasmania. Um, I'm sure he was just like, Oh yeah, I'm going to let this kid do something because it's driving me nuts. <laughs> um, so I, I did that and, and kind of like, I guess the seeds were there and um. Uh, when I went through university, I started buying uh, Transformer action figures from the US on eBay and then um, listing them on Australian eBay and making a huge margins um, because there was a real, I sort of noticed there was a real trust issue with uh, people wanting to shop within their domestic region. Yeah, like shipping overseas. I mean, even still, I find myself a little hesitant to ship overseas. Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to the addresses. Addresses are so different. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's like it's also it's also like you never know how much postage is going to be, right? And so, mm -hmm. it, it you know, if I'm shipping to the U.S. or I'm shipping to Canada, like I know how much like a range roughly, but I can't even tell you. I can't even quote, give you an ex estimate on how much it's going to cost to ship to Europe or even Australia. Yeah, and it, it's bad experiences and. Um, the, just recently I bought a, a sideshow premium format statue of the first Spider-Man and it was like a, a 200 print run statue. And, and I, and the guy was like, I'm canceling this cause you're not stateside. And, and I was like, man, I'll, I'll get someone. Yeah. To, I'll get someone to ship. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> I, I need this piece. And he's like, nah, it's too bad. It's canceled. So he canceled it. Um, and there, it's a grail piece. Like it's so hard to find. Did you did did you get someone else to reach out to him? Like, that was it was cancelled. And like, um, my experience, like 
eBay. I'm wearing eBay thing now. Um, <laughs> from '95, it says '95 on that shirt too. Yeah. I love eBay, and um, and my collection journey. I, I was just getting to it with the Transformers. Really started with with eBay. My entrepreneurial journey started with eBay. Um, but I'm terrible with chasing up anything on eBay. I've just got. It, it, my priorities in life other than my family drop so fast um, behind this juggernaut of trading cards and the business. Yeah. And so the amount of things that I've been stitched up with on eBay and haven't followed up, it's extraordinary. And it's very, very, it's scary. I don't like to look at it, um, <laughs> but it was, yeah, that was around, you know, shipping. And, and so that's been a big part of this my whole time. Whenever we have meetings with eBay, it's the first thing that people bring up. It's the, those pain points around shipping anyway um so i i got into selling ebay uh selling transformer figures and um i learned a lot about uh customer behavior um then and um went off on a different journey um i really wanted to work with racehorses which i grew up with racehorses and i love race i love horses um and lost my job working with horses uh, right at the start of the uh, GFC um, and needed to pivot. Uh, somehow learned how to build sort of uh, shitty websites. Um, and um, and then as fate would have it, I was on a date, uh, like a second or third date um, with a girl who's now my wife. Wow. And yeah. And so I'm on this date and we went to this really shitty like, market fair thing and um and uh with like really bad sort of circus music playing in the background and crappy food vans and all that sort of stuff and i bought a box of 0809 upper deck basketball retail i didn't have any money i was a little i was so broke um and it cost me like 40 bucks and 40 australian opened and i got a jersey card of Someone, uh, Orton Jamison, yes, something like that. Okay, like, it was Sweet. bad, but when I got it, I was like, Oh my god, because the last time I'd opened cards, like you didn't get jersey cards, I'm like, oh yeah, what's this worth? So I got home, like hearts pounding in the car, get home, jump on eBay, flicking through, trying to find this card. Eventually, I couldn't find it for ages because no one's selling a Sports. shitty Orton Jamison jersey <laughs> card, and so. I think I'm rich for a fleeting moment. And then <laughs> I discovered that I'm anything but rich. And, uh, but I was like, I should have been able to find more of these cards quicker. And um, so I did a bit of research into it and no one in Australia was doing the online part um, in any way that would sort of put me off. Just getting my microphone. Uh, struggling, but uh, that would put me off doing it. And so, yeah, built a crappy website. Um, and that, I guess, is was the start of that cherry journey. So, yeah. Can I ask you, did you buy these cards while you were on your date? Yeah. And this is why you know you sh you were meant to marry your wife. <laughs> Potentially, yeah. We And so we actually collected, we collected... Um, uh, we, it was funny. Um, we had a, we, we got a few boxes in from uh, Adam Martin, from uh, David Adams Cardwell, yeah. uh, which was a huge supporter of ours early on. Um, asked him if I could use his photos because I didn't have time to take my own with a full-time job. He says, fine. Um, asked him if I could copy his listing details. Still do. Um, so, he was a massive supporter. It's heaps of product from heaps, heaps of product. Um, and, uh, and so we, we got a couple of, a, a few boxes of Bowman 48. I think it was, it was a really cool release. And we thought we'd do a, a preview box. Um, and we opened this box together and we got this amazing Jerry West patch auto. And, I was like, oh, wow, it's a stunning card. Like I'm going to get hundreds of thousands of YouTube views and yeah. everyone's everyone's going to buy this product from me and that's exactly what I want. And, and weeks went by and 
none of them had sold. And I'm like, what's going on? And then one of my friends was uh, who was uh, like giving us information at the time about cards is like, man, you got the best, you got the best hit. And I was like, what? It's like, no one else is going to get a good hit now. That's gone. And I'm like, Oops. so that was the last of our preview product videos. Um, <laughs> you ruined it for everybody. Yeah. But so what we did, we, 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 uh, went the other way. And so we started just collecting um, Star Wars and Marvel cards. And so we collected them together. Um, all the gal- all the Star Wars galaxy sets we collected, all the Marvel beginning sets we collected together. So that was, I mean, that was amazing. And um, you know, she's a director in Cherry, uh, which probably, I guess, is a little bit obvious, but um, she was also a massive part at the start of, of the support and um taking the risks which were which were they were small in comparison but they were all the money we had every week yeah and all the additional time we had every week um and you need buy-in like you need serious buy-in for that yeah and i mean you need like commitment you need like full commitment right like i mean in both your relationship and, and in the business. Right. And like, I can imagine that being, I mean, pretty terrifying. Yeah. She had no, like it was, it was my, um, not my dream, but my dream would have been with horses, but it was, it was certainly, um, me that was driving the train and, um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know how she was so confident. And I mean, numerous times in that journey where, it was like, you know, can I have all the money in the bank? Or there was there was one time we got um, uh, a guy had been sending me fake um, receipts, bank receipts. And so I'd run up a, uh, what, I, what I thought was uh, sales of like $20,000, $30,000 with this guy. And they were all fake. So there's no money and the product's gone. Wow. And, um, and having that conversation with her, because I felt humiliated and I felt like, um, it was probably not my first and certainly not my last um, business mistake, but um, it was it was a point where I was like, oh, I'm not I'm not cut out for this. And, yeah, and her, her her support was unwavering, so you know, we didn't get a cent of that back. Um, and I kind of always look forward with most things. I look forward. So um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Cherry wouldn't be anything without that kind of support. And I think a lot of people, um, a lot of people discount that in business when they're surrounded by people that don't believe in them Yeah, and they, they just put it off as, oh, that's just their opinion. But if you don't have people, if your closest people uh, don't believe in you and don't um, support you, then yeah, yeah, good luck. Talk to me about some of the challenges. I mean, we talked about some of the early early stage challenges of like Cherry. Talk to me about some of the challenges that you face still in, you know, having day-to-day business and perhaps competing with the fact that most of the distributors are in North America. You know, most of the products come out of North America. Most of the big shows are in North America. Like, like talk to, talk to me about that. Yeah, I mean, it's... um. Uh... It's, I mean, supply is the, is the biggest challenge. Um, uh, a market that is not as um, ingrained, like they don't have cards ingrained in them. Yeah. Selling baseball cards in Australia is still really difficult, but you can see people with Dodgers uh, and Giants jerseys on everywhere. Um, the, the league's, have huge followings here the betting in those markets is massive here um but try and sell on baseball cards and particularly you've got to get the cards here with taxes and shipping etc yeah and then generally speaking we probably get maybe 10 to 20 percent less on um, on the actual rrp of the boxes because the market here is not willing yet to pay 800 australian dollars like maybe like 500 us dollars for uh, a bowman draft yeah jumper. They're, they're just not that whereas it might be the opposite in many markets absolutely yeah and it's um, and that's even an established product then you know when you start going in the, the the 
the markets that aren't established at all, um, it gets even trickier. Um, the, but at the same time, those challenges are also opportunities. Like um, I would have, I'm undoubtedly, I would have had numerous uh, people on my team poached by now if I was in a competitive space. <laughs> like, like my, Including my your team. wife. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, um, uh, yeah but the, the, so my team are unreal um and uh and so there's challenges then there's opportunities there's uh i love being in uh, i called it a line of one um it was never a line of one there was there was always really astute uh trading card sellers here in australia um I just saw an opportunity to do it slightly differently. And right now, I mean, I can see around me um, people that are doing it differently again, and they are going to explode. I mean, there's a guy here in Tasmania, um, Pokey Lotto, who just, he just hits different. And um, at some point in time, the product that he creates, if he continues to invest in and has the support around him, uh, he's undoubtedly going to become, you know, a serious player in that space. Albeit, uh, TCG's harder. Um, really? Yeah. The like if you look at the PSA, the most cards that they've graded this year, TCG, and most grading companies, in fact, most like mm. aside from maybe SGC, uh, the vast majority of their their graded cards are, are coming from TCG. Like t the TCG side of the the hobby has absolutely exploded i know that a lot of people talk about sports cars and i mean for the most part on my channel i talk about sports yeah. cards but the, the tcg yeah. side really has kind of absolutely popped off lately yeah, it's absolutely exploded the issues around uh, around margins and um and like work efficiencies the reality is that the margins on booster boxes are extraordinarily low and there's um supplies every bit as hard um, they're a mass market product, which means that generally speaking, um, you know, mom and dad are buying them in mass market stores. Um, so it's a, it's a difficult space. We moved into the space in a, in a strong way with singles in like 2019. Um, so we can break down like a hundred cases of gaming product, um, go to market with the singles and hit a very similar um, margin. Okay. Maybe just a little bit, maybe a little bit over twenty percent on the total yeah. breakdown. Yeah, which is, which is sustainable, but it it uh, basically helps populate a you know instead of one sealed box for twenty percent margin and one email address, you're getting maybe uh, thirty or fifty uh, email addresses, and and you're able to form those connections. With yeah. Yeah, thirty to fifty people. People who might buy other buy other products or communicate with Absolutely. your your shop in in any other way. Absolutely. So, yeah. um, there's a there's a uh, with hobby sports cards, um, the margins are not necessarily any better, but they can be. Um, and if you have earned a certain supply, uh, then you're able to, I guess make hay while that sun's shining, reinvest it into what you do. Yes. Um, I think that is harder with gaming cards. I've only really seen gaming cards become a strong secondary market uh, in like maybe one and a half, two years. Yeah. Um, and and having a business is about being able to do it over. Like decades. Yeah. 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 So talk to me about so, allocation. So like, I mean, obviously we there's no everyone knows that fanatics is about to take over licensing with everything um mm -hmm. you know we talked about <laughs> Every, everything literally i mean well, yeah. well, okay that's true lots. we can talk we can talk about that we can talk about that even right like yeah. because north america that's like everything right realistically yeah. Yeah. like they have pretty much everything in north america but like i don't know what yeah. they predominantly sell what you guys predominantly sell like i i was talking to uh, Dan the Cardman, he talked about there was there was some aspects of the hobby that that flourish in in Australia. They they don't really do too well in North America, right? So, yeah. uh, I mean, let's talk. We can talk about allocation. We can talk about what cards you predominantly do sell. If if TCG and uh, you know baseball doesn't really do it, because like the reason why I wanted to go there is like we started just talking about how baseball's 
kind of a tough sell in Australia. You know, when Fanatics takes over licenses mm-hmm. of the NFL and the NBA and, you know, essentially having uh, baseball, like at, how, how do you think that might impact things? Like how, how are you anticipating you might sh- have to pivot? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, Fanatics have been pretty clear about their their vision, which is to increase um, supply uh, by f- like five five times. Okay, um, <clears throat> which is which solves a lot of problems on, yeah. on one hand, and then it creates a whole bunch of challenges on the other. Um, and the way that they um, the, the way that they prepare for those challenges, I think, is really important. And they're lucky that they've got such. Uh, a good a good runway um, to to set up for that. I mean, they're putting you know a great team together, um, and I think by the time they get the licenses, they will have learned a lot. Um, the The reality is that, uh, and we're seeing it at the moment. I think with like products like Kakawao and Card Fun, and which are just exploding, um, there are a lot of licenses out there yeah um i think the most profitable licenses for these manufacturers are likely the ones where they're not getting jerseys and autographs and constantly trying to get exclusive and all that sort of stuff um, yep. so i feel as though uh they fanatics will certainly pick up these incredibly proven licenses but i don't think panini will go anywhere i think that they'll find um I mean, they'll have a big bag of money with uh, the World Cup just being in the World Cup coming up in the US. Yep. Um, I reckon they'll find some pretty cool licenses. So I still imagine that 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 relationship that you build with those companies will uh, will be really valuable in terms of allocation. It's a um, it's a really tough one. Like it's uh, uh, and it moves in many parts. So the Australian dollar affects it greatly for us. We would have we would have gotten probably twice the allocation we're getting now in maybe 2018 um, and not through a lack of support. Uh, the distributors in the US would support us more. Panini, Tops, Upper Deck, they would, have su- they would support us more. Um, but we can't actually, uh, we certainly can't rebuy because the dollar just yeah. blows it out of the water. Yeah. Um, but we haven't been able to buy as much of because of that dollar as well. So they're just we would land half the amount of product. Um, so allocation is a massive part of it. Um, generally speaking, the way you go about getting allocation is by uh, building uh, a really strong relationship. There's no contracts or there's very few companies that would have contracts in place. So it's it's exactly the same as um, with a partner. Um, you, you're earning credits all the time by doing things and then, um, and you know, that, develops that bond and then uh you know if we move 50 cases of this product to you know cherry well are they going to pay us um is it uh, going to go to the right uh customers are they going to reinvest in their businesses um you know do we like the way that they go about it are they a good representative of the brand all those things come into play and um you know i'm sure you'll get to it but one of the things that we've always uh tried to focus on is one what's best by the license or license or so what do the what do the nba want to see what do the nfl want to see what do the nhl want to see we did the global games i saw that upper deck yeah yeah which was absolutely yeah. brilliant that that execution um and we had something to do with it um my guy charlie who runs all of our uh, social channels yeah um who everyone thinks is me when they meet. Oh, I love the thing that you did. And it's like, it wasn't me. <laughs> I don't even have the login details. That wasn't me. Um, uh, that whole exercise, like we we sold double the amount of NHL that we would normally sell to people that had no previous interest. Certainly in hockey cards. Books, in hockey cards. Wow. So... Uh, and and they, and Upper Deck were were certain. Like Upper Deck was so, they'd done it so many times. Yeah, they were like, listen, do this, do this, build it, they will come. And in my head, I'm thinking, because oh, Australia, 
you know, this I've is <laughs> I've been doing this for years, and <laughs> I just I I cannot get that many um, hockey customers out at one time. Like I've I've tried, and and sure enough, we built it and just sold through. Boom, 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 boom. So that was fantastic. I think it's going to have. I think things like that have a great impact, but when you go to places like Macau and um, and you see who's there, who's on the floor, those those big uh, uh, manufacturers and suppliers, they're there and they're having conversations with you and they're seeing, okay, who's, who's trying to grow these markets and yep. how are they trying to do it? Um, yep. And they have conversations with you. And um, one of the things that I think, Maybe I got lucky because I got in early, and so I, I was able to make relationships with with people uh, when it was a little bit smaller. But it's still quite small at the top, and the people like Jeff Gordon at Fanatics, like a passionate collector, um, generally you're normally having a conversation with you about you know why does that card have a border. Uh, would much prefer that not to be a sticker. Like those are the conversations. DJ at Panini always telling you about like the net, the latest card that he's added to his like 54 set. Um, Jason from Upper Deck came down, going around the city, looking like, I'll call them dives in an endearing way, like real typical, small, dusty, yep. you know, collectible shop with five boxes of cards. And he's like looking through the, looking through the products going, okay, they've got this product in and that's from this manga. And um, the, the people at the, at the top of this tree are passionate collectors. And so they, as much as I like to talk numbers with them and you're limited with your time. And so you're going this percentage of people and this number of book, they just want to talk about cards. Yeah. And so that's, that's the relationship. That's how you build up. You show them that, what you want to do is talk cards with people. I love that. And I think that's refreshing for a lot of people to hear who don't necessarily fall on the business side. Like I know that everyone in, in the hobby is, you know, to some extent an entrepreneur, if you buy, sell, trade, whatever. Right. But we're talking about, I mean, you guys have been in business for, you know, 20 years and um, I'll be 15, but, I'm giving you, I'm, I'm anticipating the next five, <laughs> but you know, this, and, and a, a big player in a, in a, you know, in a country on a continent kind of literally, literally on an Island by itself. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. um, you know, these are conversations that we don't really hear as, as collectors. We don't really hear that, that the people at the top are, you know, die hard as die hard of, of a collector, maybe more than, than some of the, the people on, on the, the, the ground floor. Right. A lot of times, you know, they're, they're they're under the impression that it's just all about the money, and and mm. you know, at, at least from the experiences that I've had as well with you know some of these executives and some of these people that are higher up in in these manufacturing companies, like it's just not the case at all. Like they're, I mean, when I was talking to Billy Celio even at, at Upper Deck, like he was offended that I didn't like one of his inserts, and I'm like Billy, like I just don't like how it looks. Like it's fine. Like I'm not. You know, like and he's like, "What's wrong with it?" And I'm like, I, "I just don't. It's just not for me." But he was yeah, so, so so upset. I had the same thing. I uh, I won't mention their name. Yeah. Um. But they're they're you know very hyper one of the companies, and we were having a, a conversation, and we were talking really openly and transparently, and having opinions about stuff, and it was you know really happy. And then I said that uh, they said a particular product to me, and I went, "Oh." I don't really like the 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 GSM of the of the product of the the card, and uh, and his face just went, and it was just like this shift from happiness to sad, and I was like, shit, I've I've like massively offended him. Yeah. Um, and it's you don't expect it. Um, listen, some of the many of those people, their their jobs, like you, know, we have jobs. Their job is dependent on the bottom line of that company. Yeah. Um, so it's impossible for them not to have that ticking over in their head. I mean, their performance reviews would, would be like, you know, what was the, what was the profit on X, Y, Z? 
Um, but that's not the first thing they're thinking about. Um, and so I think that is, I think that's one of the areas you talked about the difference between TCG and sports cards. Sports cards is still a real hobby enthusiast category. The, the TCG stuff is very mass market. And so the, that nuance of, um, of sports cards is very much still ingrained in the people at the top. Is it always going to be the case? It's certain. No, it won't be in 20. Like, I think there'll be a massive boom again in 20 years. I think the next five years, we're going to see like a real strong growth in the amount of people that are collecting yeah. product. Yeah. 10 years, you'll start to see a little bit of uh, secondary market sort of growth with that, with them chasing cards that were produced in 2027. And now there's five times as many people collecting and those huge populations look small. Yeah. Um, and then 20 years time, I just think this, this will become a serious, like sports cards will be on, on uh, in the same discussion as TCG. I like that. I like that forecast. Why do you think that? Um, Because just like, just small things that, that I notice when, small trends within the trends um they they just particularly i remember when uh luca and all those guys were were blowing up and people were talking about their pops um and then you start to see like products come out 5 years after that and uh there's 20 more different variations and you know there's double the amount of collections um but they're sold out like flux hoops sold out here within, I don't know, two weeks. Like hoops used to sell out in six months. I was going to say six months. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, but do you think that, that that has to do with like Wemby? Do you think that, that the, nah. the fact that, that Wemby is this generational talent, like we're not even talking about who's going to be first, ne- like next year, right? Like There's we've been talking about what, Okay. There's always a generational talent. All right. There's I like a- hearing that. It's true. It's 100% true. I mean, I, that's how I feel. Remember when, remember when it was Lonzo Ball? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a bunch of people on that train. Uh, th- Yeah, Lonzo yeah. Ball. I mean, there was LaMelo Ball, generational talent. There was... Yeah. I, remember, I, mean, I remember people throwing down, throwing Tatums down on the counter because they were furious they didn't get Lonzo. That's crazy. So... Um, so it's selling out all the, all those extra collections, all that extra selling out literally like maybe I don't know, 20 times as fast. So that is just purely number of people who collect trading cards. That's all it is. Now it's probably more pronounced in this region because our, we started, our floor was lower, but I'm sure it's not totally indifferent uh, in the domestic US. So um, what happens when that goes times five? Well, the same thing about 20, 2023 cards is in 2028. Um, and when you have a volume of people that collect trading cards that is on the scale of where TCG was in 2005, 2015, um, then that's when you start to get um, that real market penetration where everyone knows about it. People still here in particular, you know, still don't know that trading cards are a thing. Yeah. It's a sad reality. I mean, in regards to the hoops, how many of those people do you think are, are like the end consumer though? Do you know what I mean? Like, I know that that stuff is selling out and I don't doubt that. And it's selling out everywhere all the time. Right. But like how many yeah. people are getting those cards and they're like, they're the end consumer. Do you know? Like, cause that's stuff I think about in terms of like, you know, if this hobby is going to get to where everyone needs to get to, right? Like so much of the buying and selling aspect is based on speculation. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I don't know how many people in the ultra modern market are holding these things because they genuinely like, this is my guy. You know what I mean? This is a guy I'm willing to go through his career progressions with, right? Like there are plenty of people who have LeBrons from like the day he stepped foot into the league, yeah. right? And like West Westbrooks from the day he stepped foot in the league and Durant's from the day he stepped foot in the league. And I just don't know how many of these cards specifically when we talk about like some of the lower end sets, like the, the, the hoops and the flux and the, 
I don't know how many of those are held by end consumers and not just people who are trying to make margins on the way to the top and then someone ends up with it at the end. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, my, my feeling is, uh, if you had asked me the question 2020, uh, I would have said not many. Um, like, you know, we, we had to invest for a period of time. We had to invest quite heavily in things to protect being bought out um, by bots, by, yeah. uh, by, you know, other regions, you know, there's a, the, the growth in the Asian region is, uh, largely off the back of buying out, um, websites. So there's, there certainly was a time when that was the case. I think, uh, now, um, as we've seen the secondary market of prices of boxes in particular come down, which is fantastic. Yeah. Yep. Um, product like flux is a perfect example. The general narrative around flux was this product's no good. It's price kept on coming down, 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 less and less people wanted it. Um, it became a product where you had to have a conversation with the customer to convince them that this was a good purchase. Um, and the reality was that flux was a phenomenal product. Uh, if that product had come out, two years or three years before at that price point um, it would have been sold and then it would have been resold for a profit. Then it would have been resold for a profit. Then it would have been resold for a profit. And now everyone would be chasing, you know, flux from three years ago um, had an amazing checklist of signers, incredible checklist of signers. The cards were very unique. You could pick, you could pick a flux card up and it's very obvious. So there's a whole bunch of different um, features to it. Um, and now it sells through much slower. Um, the people that are buying it are people that genuinely like that type of car, that see value in that checklist. Um, and so I do believe they're going to end consumers um, now. And I think that will continue to be the case. I feel as though we're seeing a lot of downward pressure on pricing. Um, and, and that's a good, you know, that's a, a really good thing, particularly as we're coming into a market where we're anticipating supply increase. So if we get that supply increase and the pressure gets on the prices and brings them down, um, then I think we end up with like a really nice, you know, crossover. Yeah. I, I wanted to give you like just the floor to have like an unbiased opinion there, because I do, I do think that a lot more people are buying what they actually want now i mean whether that means that they're buying more singles whether like that means that they're they're tapping into like their pcs maybe they're going like your route and going star wars and, and really kind mm. of embracing that because there's just so many different avenues to go in and that's one of the benefits of of this space growing and so rapidly and and having so many people putting money and and time into this space is that you know, the, these niches are really kind of being built out. And so the people who participate in them are people who genuinely kind of want to be there. Um, so yeah, I think I think that that I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, if supply does increase to the point where like it's kind of free floating and there there's that still that downward pressure for pricing, I mean, we will we might see a, a price that is directly reflected on what people actually want to pay for this car, like for this product and for these cards. And, you know, it might not be artificially inflated in any way, shape or form. So, I mean, that's the goal for sure. Well, I, I had a, um, I've like went through the back of a warehouse, uh, just before black Friday, we wanted to see what we hadn't had in stock or would incorrectly marked as out of stock and stuff. And, uh, I found two very interesting examples. So I found a case of, 15, 16 Donruss hobby and a case of 1920 multi-pack prison basketball. The last time the boxes for multi-pack prison basketball were in stock, they were in stock for like around about 2000 US, which was their price. They sold out at that price. Um, the last time Donruss hobby basketball was in stock, it was in stock for a hundred about it would have been about 80 US. Yeah, makes sense. Donruss Hobby 
like now, if it came out, still probably command like 400, slightly different configuration now, but probably like three or 400 um, Australian dollars. I mean, it's like 250, 300 US. Um, the multi-pack prism uh, will now like is worth nothing. It's like a 250, $300 box. The 15, 16 had Jokic rookies in it. Yeah. Um, who, spoiler alert, was a generational talent. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And he wasn't even, he wasn't even drafted. He was drafted in the second round. He he was drafted, yeah. I think, in the second round during a Taco Bell commercial. Yeah. That's like, so, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. So the, the floor for that product was so low. Um that and you just forget you forget where where you came from to an extent like i remember select basketball 13 14 you know it was like 30 30 something dollars us a box 30 40 us a box um because no one the only guy you could get was michael carter williams like yeah. that was like no one wanted Giannis at the time yeah um so and, and that product looking back like it's just a stunning checklist of signers and beautiful patches and yeah any it's a different time talk to me a little bit about macau so macau had their first ever card show it was it was a first, well not first ever card show but first like big card show uh there were some relatively big names on the football side uh i think there was like oh wow Lu- yeah. Luis, Luis figu there i think christian yeah, very was there yeah uh, uh, which is just unbelievable to see Talk to me about how was it being there firsthand? Uh, what what is you know the market like over there? Mm-mm. Did you see a lot of people from North America? Well, uh, to start with, it was incredible. Um, I think Card Hobby um, put it on. Uh, just extraordinary business. Um, such a uh, talk about executing. Like they just execute. Like they have an idea. Then they throw however many hundred people at it and just fantastic. You know, I wish I had the resources. Um, the, the, the setup of the show is everything that I wish um, some of the big card shows in the US were. Um, and I think it comes down to a little bit coming from an emerging market versus a really established market. I think if people went to a card show in the US and it didn't have, you know, a hundred tables that had the exact same cards on them they've had for the last 30 years. Yep. People would feel like something's missing. Kind of like, oh, there's, yeah. you know, there's coach with his table and he's got those 70 vintage baseball cards that are always 30% too much to buy. Yes. Like, um, and so there's a, there's a, there's a sort of a vibe. There's a fabric to that, which unfortunately it's very hard to move away from. This show was just gorgeous. It was like um, it was like Comic Con meets uh, like a vintage card show. It was like just this the, the perfect like there was like thirty tables, but within those thirty, like actually, I'll give you an example. I only walked around the floor a few times because we had a stand, but the. On one of the first tables, I saw this uh, 18, 19 Luca opulence booklet number to five. And I was like, wow, like I can just remember I had a customer at the time that was busting cases and cases and cases. He hit one of the Octo books, which was really cool. Um, and I was like, wow, imagine getting that card like that. Yeah. yeah, It's awesome to see it. Really cool card, beautiful design, good auto. I moved like three tables down. There was a guy that had another two of them. I moved another table down. There was a guy that had another one of them. Like four of the five were within like eight tables. And so I, my head just popped. Um, uh, I, I was lucky enough to have, I had a customer in Melbourne who lived in the apartment uh, next to me, uh, who in 2014, purchased, I want to say 50 cases. It was at least 30 cases of National Treasures basketball. Now, at the time, 
my full allocation from everyone equaled like three cases. Oh, my. <laughs> I was like, how? I'll, I'd buy 50 if I could get yeah. 50. Yeah. So he he broke all that, didn't get a single logo man and didn't get a single Andrew Wiggins RPA, which was what he was chasing. Um, so it was horrendous. 50 cases. But 50 cases. But I do remember him showing me his collection, particularly of Kobe's, and also showing me collections of his friends on his phone and just like extraordinary. And that's what that uh, that show was like. It was just, uh, we had a table that I thought was going to be really impressive and uh, heaps of cards no one had seen before. And um, and I just felt inadequate from from like a collecting. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I was like, my table is shit. Um, <laughs> don't even bother. Keep going. <laughs> That's hilarious. Do you think that that now an everyday person? Do you think that that would make them like? I'm trying to think of how I'm wording this. Would it be conducive for the everyday person to like attend a show like that though? Do you know like if all of the cards are in that like upper echelon, like mm. it, how do we you know, is that like is there just like elite shows? Like like how does that translate? You know, like what can we take from that? I I, I want to know what the interaction was kind of like for the everyday person there. Yeah. Um like was it like a museum, for instance? Like was anyone buying? No, it was it still felt very card showy. The the there's an opportunity. Um, I mean, it was the first one. Yeah, no, for sure, hundred percent. Yeah, it needed there needed to be more sealed product. Okay, um, no, no one there could really um, partake in what it was that they enjoy doing, which is ripping boxes, I imagine. Um, or if if they like being in breaks, no, one, you couldn't get into a break there. I was actually told to do breaks there um, by someone who who is smart enough to tell me. And um, I didn't purely because it just seemed like too hard. Yeah. Um, just uh, like the logistics? The logistics of it. And, you know, there's there's not a language barrier as such. Their English is really good. Um, my Chinese is not existent. Um, but I just felt that uh, it was probably going to be harder than it. In hindsight, um it would have been a very lucrative thing to do. Yeah. Like the, the, the floor needed people to be able to spend 50 to a hundred dollars. Well, that's kind of what I was saying, right? Like just like how, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And so um, I think that'll be met. I think that need will be met next year, next time. Um, I'm not sure exactly how Cherry could meet it. I'd, I'd like to be involved in that. Um, the, the audience over there, uh, is different than it was in 2019 pre-COVID um, my Chinese customers in Melbourne because we've got a really strong Chinese population here in Australia um, particularly in Melbourne and if I had gold prisms in my counter they were gone and this was this was four years ago four years yeah. gold prisms gone uh, Kobe autos Steve Nash James Harden any bang 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 and and the it would just be no negotiation, just whatever the price was on it, it would go. The The market there is definitely softer. I mean, the economy in, in China is, is struggling. Um, and that was really evident. They, they had money for the specific cards that they wanted really. And that was a really tight, like, you know, I collect this, I collect dual patch on card autos of Kobe Bryant. That's all I collect. I collect one of ones of Carl Anthony Towns. Like no one does, but yeah, like if that person was there, then they would have. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, That's just so specific. Way, I've got a one of one Carl Anthony Towns. If anyone's looking for it. <laughs> a guy, a guy sold me his collection of Carl Anthony Towns. I remember him selling it and and saying to me, like, you're getting this for a steal. And and I was thinking to myself, 
I can see his argument. Like I can see, I know the price I'm offering him are not great. I can tell. But at the same time, I've also had a lot of Carl Anthony Towns cards and I know that they just don't sell. No one buys them. And, uh, and within that space of me buying it to now, uh, Carl Anthony Towns cards definitely went up. Absolutely. They went up the doubled, tripled, quadrupled. And I've got lots of really nice Carl Anthony Towns cards, but I've still got them. <laughs> and now, and now they've dropped again. <laughs> and so it's like, it's a strange, some players are really strange. Like, you the just curse, the curse of the big man. It's the curse of the big man. The, yeah. the NBA just doesn't like big men for the most part. I mean, even like Embiid, right? Like he's like mm-hmm. always in MVP conversations, but he he just doesn't. These cards don't get love, you know. Very no, seldom. No. Very right. seldom. Yeah, very strange. Anyway, it's a it's a strange strange game. So I've got some really nice Anthony Towns. I don't know. I don't know how I snuck that in there. But yeah, yeah. Well, we, well, we were talking about the the, the Asian show and and uh, just like how specific some of the collectors there were. Love uh, Anthony Edwards. They love uh, Anthony Edwards, Steph Curry, Kobe Bryant, but really. Anthony Edwards, eh? Yeah, man, love him. Hmm. <laughs> maybe because he's in movies or a movie. Hey, maybe. That's interesting. Well, I mean, I'm excited to have they announced the second one. Have they? Are is it going to be like an annual? They're going to try to make it biannual. Yeah, they're definitely doing it. Uh, they're doing it annually. They've got. Um, I think they're planning on a number of shows around uh, Asia and the Pacific, um, which they, if they want to do it, they'll do it. Like it's there. Yeah, it, it's pretty amazing. Like the the things that that company have been able to do. Um, it's a little bit like Gary V. Like I, yeah. I'm always blown away by like you know, Gary V goes, you know, I'm going to make a trading card. And it's like, if I'm going to make a trading card, it'll be like a trading card of, of like me and I'll print a hundred copies. And, yeah. you know, even I won't be able to, I won't be able to get me to return my signed copies to the person who's going to ship them. Like that's yeah. how difficult Gary V goes, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make a TCG that is going to, and then I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell it to predominantly sports cards, people. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I know, do it? I know. I mean, I'm but curious that, to see where that goes to. Uh, there was a lot of flack on V friends and there probably still is, but if he builds out that like universe and, and I mean, his, his thing was he wants that, universe to live long after he does and so you know at some mm-hmm. point he stops making content and the the message just kind of comes from his caricatures right and yeah. so i mean theoretically you're betting on him not wanting him himself to be the focal point anymore and and kind of transitioning all those lures and and lessons into you know the embodiment of these characters and and that's kind of what you're essentially betting on with those right like i don't i mean it's going to be a very interesting case study. It's a, it's a product that um, I am keen to support um, mainly because of, of Gary. Like he's just, he's an extraordinarily uh, positive person. And I, I like the way that he puts himself um, 100% behind what he's doing. Um, I think that we've seen, you know, there's a lot of other, uh, brands and collections that pop up and you, the only thing that's behind them is sort of, you know, a couple of design dollars and, and a distribution model. Um, Gary's just committed to those things being successful and hitting the floor and, you know, uh, kissing babies. Like it's, uh, it's, it's within him. And, and I think that, I think you're right we've seen so many people, uh, so many brands take on Pokemon and they just don't make it. No. Um, but you know, the, you've got to be the most passionate. It, it's like with protesting, the, the most passionate party uh, is the one that eventually wins. Yeah. Certainly in the short, short term. And so his passion uh, outweighs most others. Um, so, yeah. Interesting. 
Let me know one thing that you're excited for going into 2024. Um, I, well, I'm really excited for uh, these uh, Topps Chrome releases. Like we just saw the Disney one. Yeah. That came yeah. out of nowhere. You did, yeah. Out of um, nowhere. There's rumors of others that uh, that I'm hearing, which very exciting. So, <laughs> oh, you're like, I'm um, hearing some rumors. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, there's a part I'm, I'm extremely uh, excited about um, uh, the Upper Deck Bedard, um, the way they handle that, the products they create. We've, we've, as basketball collectors and as, as enthusiasts of car collecting, um, those Upper Deck brands have, have like a really special place and uh it took it took a decade for the loudest voice in the room particularly here in australia to not be you know bring back upper deck because people yeah. love that association of those upper deck brands and to actually be people saying you know what i think doing a real good job like these brands are exciting and the secondary market is really strong and um took ages so to actually see them showcased they're going to be like some of the highest selling products some of the highest selling cards the guy's been amazing yeah um, as far as i can tell as, as no no he has been he's been i mean he's having a, an incredible season truthfully i think he's got like 11 goals in like 26 or 27 games which is very good yeah. for a rookie yeah, i mean he's on pace for 40 yeah yeah it's gonna be exciting so, so those cards that we're just, we're going to actually see them in, in a way that they're extremely collectible. And um, that kind of happened a little bit with McDavid, but the but the, the demand for trading cards wasn't there at that point, globally anyway. And Even so, the, mar the marketing, really exciting, like think about, think about all the marketing and like the secondary market marketing that's happening right now, right? Like think about how many people create content about sports cards now versus when McDavid yeah. was, was in the league or coming into the league. Right. Like, yeah, you're not just getting like one ad on television or like one print ad or like, you know, you drive by a bus stop and it says rip upper deck. Like everyone, like so many people are are talking about these players and, and these cards. And, you know, there's just such a different interaction. And that's why when people say that, like we're in like another junk wax era or junk slab era or I'm like, I just I can't. I don't think that that's accurate because of the amount of content that's built behind this stuff. Like truly the amount of like, there's just whole ecosystems built on, on content right now. Mm -hmm. And, and as long as people are talking about stuff, I, I just can't imagine it going anywhere. Like it just can't, it doesn't just the, disappear. The, the, I, I kind of, I understand the junk slab, um, you know narrative because the amount of the amount of slabs that coming in are like you know bowl bowl psa sixes definitely you know, yeah there was there was clearly a uh a very short period of time where people made really poor decisions absolutely included everybody um yeah um and it's like anything we, we were suddenly told you can't have this and so everyone wanted it yeah, like it just um so there's that element, but at the same time, it's always hard to get the tens with no matter what brand you choose to get them slabbed in. Um and they will always have a certain value to them, like a a pop one gold prism. Um, so with you know the population goes from ten to one, it's always gonna be extraordinarily sought after um i don't believe there's a junk wax uh, i think that there is a there's a whole bunch of wax at the moment that as a business we have to buy to maintain our relationships yeah to make sure that we're doing the right thing buy the yep. license or yeah um however a lot of that stuff that that isn't moving right now has really good content in it and whether that's uh it's got Pele autos or it's got, um, it's, you know, sign it like a lot of the, the MCU stuff has struggled because of it all having to be released at once. Um, there's a story around that as well, but it kind of all came out clogged together. Um, but there's so many 
elements of those products that are really rare. Like there's so many signers in there that haven't signed before that probably won't sign again. There's like one or two elements in the card productions that are very unique or, um, and I think that it's not junk like we remember in the 1995 stuff. It's literally like, it's just paper and then product and then content that has a minimum of like 20,000 copies. Yep. It has to be junk. Like this stuff isn't junk. It's just surplus to the current demand. That's an interesting take. I kind of like it. I mean, to your point about like the 2015 Donruss, right? Like at some point, like that was kind of like a wash. No one really wanted that, right? So I I mean, you look at rookie classes and you look at, I mean, some of the people that are probably doing the best are, are whack, like wax holders, There's people who buy and, and store boxes for and have for like the last 20 years. I mean, you can bet on a player or you can bet on the entire class, right? At the, yeah. the likelihood that at least one player in that class ends up, I mean, you mentioned 2013, that entire class is Giannis basically. Do you know what I mean? Like that's like pick a class and you can pretty much find one guy that you're like, that can support the price of this box for sure. And that'll support like a three or four or five X what the, the retail was. So, I mean, now does that happen forever? I don't know, especially given how hype these players are coming out now, but you know, at the very least, if if history is to repeat itself, like, you know, maybe not this set, but it sets in the future that potentially are like, ah, that's garbage. Like, you might want to hold on to those. If you listen to some of the stories, uh, Jeff, the owner of TriStar, um, if you ever get a chance to talk to him, his stories around the original Fleer, um, well, not the original Fleer, the Fleer Jordan rookie set um are absolutely incredible and you know that was just written off like he was selling the jordan rookies and i won't ruin his story because i will absolutely ruin it because i don't have a very good memory (laughs) um but but, uh it was the same thing everyone was just like this is this is shit this is the worst product that's ever been designed there's way too much of it boom 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 and uh it's like upper deck yeah. golf for for Tiger Tiger upper deck golf. I remember yeah. that's people people garbage. They're like it's garbage. Yeah. I will say this: uh, I don't understand how there is uh, number to seven hundred ninety nine base set variations in the new Jay and Silent Bob product. <laughs> <laughs> I, I worry. <laughs> Listen, I'm a massive Kevin Smith fan, but I do worry about that one. <laughs> You mean you don't want a serially numbered J card? Not to seven hundred and ninety nine. Like I'm, <laughs> I've got my limits. You don't think supply and this you don't think there's enough demand for that? Yeah, is that Walrus movie just affected it? I think that it's hilarious. I love it. Listen, Grayson, I've had an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. How mm-hmm. does one contact you or you know perhaps cherry collectibles how do they they get how do they start consuming your content you know if they're in you're the neighborhood i mean i don't know how many people <laughs> listen to me don't already you know communicate with your shop on a regular basis but you know a lot of the north american people perhaps want to get to know you and and get to know what cherry collectibles is all about where can they find you guys um yeah you will okay so we're at cherry collectibles on instagram um that's probably our our most uh, engaging channel. Um, Charlie creates amazing content uh, there. If you are interested in watching breaks um, sort of over breakfast yeah. in the US, particularly if you're interested in watching products, like so we'll break the day a product comes out, but we're probably going to break it uh, like just as you guys are waking up. So um, I actually met a few people at the Macau show that it will that were telling me that over the years they've used us to get a real guide as to what breaks they want to enter that day with their, we'll call it preferred breaker. Um, so you can watch Blake who uh, has, oh, he's at Rain Blaker, but he's been breaking like, I think for like well over five years now. Um, he's the big, he's the one who says big boy. Um, <laughs> and he's an extraordinarily entertaining <laughs> Man, very messy, man, but extraordinarily entertaining. So um, you can watch his breaks. Um, and, I mean, you can get involved in them. We understand that there's a 
that there's some barriers there. People don't want to worry about all the shipping and stuff, but we've got a very long um, uh, history of making sure that uh, you know, people get really good customer support. We have had very few issues um, and we use the, obviously the best shipping methods, but um, you know, it, it, even if you're just watching, that's, that's fine. Um, if you are looking for some savings on products, um, I think our, our football uh, and baseball can often be like a really good, and even maybe hockey could often be a really good buy for some customers. And you can go to that at cherry.cards, www.cherry.cards. Um, listen, uh, it's been a pleasure being on coach. And um, I know I, when I was reaching out to people for a business coach, because I'm looking for um, someone to help take Cherry from a uh, what I consider like an adolescent business to being a, a mature business. Um, you reached out and I appreciate that. So I do want to catch up with you. Of course. Um, when we're next, probably the ne I'm over at the next national, but I'm potentially if there's a tops or fanatics one before that, I might pop. I'm over. just I'm just waiting on the announcement, man. I'm waiting. I mean, even the the industry entry summits pushed to like May, I think. Oh, okay. So they are going to actually have a good good. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't worry, I got you. <laughs> yeah, I, I asked. I, I asked the. People at the very top, I was like, come on, tell me off the record. Yeah. Um, when is this? yeah and, they, and they didn't tell me. So yeah. I, I don't know for sure. They I, don't, probably... I don't know for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm hearing. But yeah, no, I, I really appreciate you jumping on today. And, and you know, like team, please go, you know, check out Cherry Collectibles and, and you know, chat it up with Grayson. Watch their breaks over breakfast. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Cardboard Coach featuring Grayson team. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. We are out of here.